Hello and welcome to Inspired Minds with me, Julie Kenny. This is the podcast for people with curious minds. And each week I'll be sharing a topic to feed your curiosity. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the art and presentation of poetry. What is poetry? Who's it for? And what is the value of poetry? And let me first start by saying that I am no literary scholar. Yes, I scraped a C grade in English language uh, over about 40 years ago. And I got a spectacularly unimpressive F grade in English literature that year. I don't remember poetry being part of the syllabus, but I'm sure it wouldn't have helped. I really admire people who do these things well, but I don't have a desire to emulate them. But I do have a love of some styles of poetry and that's where I'm coming from today. Perhaps my love of poetry in the forms I enjoy it are partly why I disconnected from English at quite a young age. I distinctly remember a primary school teacher introducing us to some poetry. And she seemed to make it quite clear that my poetry, which as far as I remember was mostly Winnie the Pooh, was not real poetry. Maybe I'm being unfair and maybe she was just trying to expand my creativity, but that was the impression that I got. So for quite a long time, I had a lot of poetry in my life without really rating it as proper poetry. I grew up surrounded by books, including poetry, a stack of Amy Blyton and later on chalet school books and Moomins, which actually stayed with me way into adulthood. When it came to the poetry, there was a selection of A.A. Milne, Spike Milligan and Robert Louis Stevenson. That was a children's garden of verses. I remember being around the house for a long time. One of my favourites and one I recall my sister and I both reading and we could nearly recite it by heart was My Shadow. I expect my teacher would have approved of this one. And if you don't know it, it goes like this. I have a little shadow that goes in and out with me. And what can be the use of him is more than I can see. He is very, very like me from the heels up to my head. And I see him jump before me when I jump into my bed. The funniest thing about him is the way he likes to grow. Not at all like proper children, which is always very slow. For he sometimes shoots up taller like an Indian rubber ball, and he sometimes gets so little that there's none of him at all. He hasn't got a notion of how children ought to play, and can only make a fool of me in every sort of way. He stays so close beside me, he's a coward you can see, 
I think shame to stick to nursery as that shadow sticks to me. One morning, very early, before the sun was up, I rose and found the shining dew on every buttercup. But my lazy little shadow, like an arrant sleepy head, had stayed at home behind me and was fast asleep in bed. I feel like that poem has been with me nearly all my life. I love the way the rhythm got in my head and the idea that this young child judged his own shadow. Perhaps I didn't have a nursery or refer to Indian rubber, but I got that meant grown-ups and bouncy balls. In fact, there's quite a lot of language there that I wouldn't have been using, but it was clear in the context, so I got it. Overall, for me, poetry was mostly a way of sharing humour. I remember getting a copy of Spike Milligan's Silly Verse for Kids one Christmas, and I loved it. I read that over and over, cover to cover, for years. I think it just fell apart in the end. And I still remember some of the verses, which isn't hard because most of them are quite short. This is one that I really loved. There are holes in the sky where the rain gets in, but they're ever so small. That's why rain is thin. But poetry, in some form or other, appeared in other places too, such as when our taps got plumbed in the wrong way round in our new house, and Mum wrote a poem to remind us which went something like this. The hot so cold and the cold so hot. Don't blame the plumber, he just forgot. Sticks in your mind, doesn't it? Mum was a genius, I never gave her enough credit. Okay, maybe it's not literary genius, but yeah, that worked. And I think perhaps that's the point of poetry, or at least one of them. Getting things to stick in your mind. It's a way of putting words and phrases together so that they carry thoughts and emotions in a way that writing or speaking in prose just struggles to match. Sometimes they rhyme, sometimes they don't. But those words can just reach out and grasp feelings and offer them to the receiver across time and space. As I said, I'm no scholar. It does seem to me that poetry weathers time better than other forms of writing. I can certainly read a poem I've written myself and it takes me back to the emotions I was feeling at the time. This is one I wrote when I needed to retreat and get some perspective on life. Screaming madness creeping in. When will sanity begin? What you heard was not that said, yet matched fear lurking in your head. It's time to seek a lonely place, with space to dream and contemplate. It's time to breathe where nature holds the stories waiting to be told. Why do others think that poetry works? I thought I should do a little research to see what others thought. And one of the first things I came across 
was a poem by Audrey Lord, which begins with these three lines. The difference between poetry and rhetoric is being ready to kill yourself instead of your children. I take that to mean that you reflect and think inwards with poetry rather than spew hatred to others. Having said that, I've seen some angry poems, but even those, I think, travel a slightly different course. The poet William Butler Yeats said, we make out of the quarrel with others rhetoric, but of the quarrel with ourselves, poetry. This is one of his poems, which to me is an excellent example of emotions wrapped up and offered to the reader. When you are old and gray and full of sleep and nodding by the fire, take down this book and slowly read and dream of the soft look your eyes had once and of their shadows deep. How many loved your moments of glad grace and loved your beauty with love false or true. But one man loved the pilgrim soul in you and loved the sorrows of your changing face. And bending down beside the glowing bars, murmur a little sadly, how love fled and paced upon the mountains overhead and hid his face amid a crowd of stars. See? Not everything I like is humorous, just a lot of it. And that's probably just a reflection of my love of humor. But let's get back to what is poetry. The Oxford English Dictionary says, it's a piece of writing in which the words are chosen for their sound and the images they suggest, not just for their obvious meanings. The words are arranged in separate lines, usually with a repeated rhythm, and often the lines rhyme at the end. And somehow I still feel that's a way of saying, well, you know it when you see it. So now for a breather, and I shall return in a minute with a few more of my favourite poems, poets, and perhaps another one of my own. Welcome back. So poetry helps us share ideas and emotions. In reality, a lot of poetry out there isn't presented to us as poetry at all. A great deal is shared as song lyrics. And many songwriters, such as Bob Dylan and John Lennon, think of themselves or thought of themselves as poets as much as songwriters. And in my research, I learned that classical Greek poetry was sung rather than recited. So maybe we shouldn't be distinguishing between the two just as much as we do. 
many rap artists now are certainly poets who craft their lyrics for rhythm and rhyme and rap it, pun intended, in a way their audience appreciates. Over the last couple of years, poetry has become a popular style for TV ads, from building societies to cooking sources. And I did see that Nationwide have united a whole swathe of people in their hatred of their poetry-based ads. Unsurprisingly, the popularity of poetry means it's delivered to us in different ways now. Open mic nights and poetry groups are found everywhere, in local towns and cities and online, particularly during COVID. Poetry is shared and followed on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Pinterest. It can be bought in online bazaars such as Etsy and Not on the High Street, in the forms of books and pamphlets, in frames as motivational cards, as table coasters, as pillowcases, and whatever else you can put a poem on. At some point, I'm sure it will become uncool again and go back into hiding, only for it to be rediscovered by the masses when they are ready. I grew up in the 1970s, where there seemed to be a rise of slightly irreverent, definitely humorous poetry. In 1975, Pam Ayres appeared on Opportunity Knocks, which was the main talent show we watched then. She was a family favourite and still is a favourite of mine, with poems such as I Wish I'd Looked After Me Teeth and Sling Another Chair Leg on the Fire Mother. Shortly after her came John Cooper Clarke, known to a lot of us as the punk poet, and he said he was inspired by Pam, although I'm sure my mum preferred Pam Ayres which was a little bit cleaner. Here's a small extract from one of his. If you think it's your sort of thing, look him up. You can even ask Alexa just to play John Cooper Clark, and you'll hear him recite this much better than I ever could. This is called Are You the Business? Does Superman wear blue tights and keep away from kryptonite? Do old ladies get mugged at night? Are you the business? Do workers want a living wage? Do rock stars lie about their age? Would a tiger run from an open cage? Are you the business? That goes on, but I'll leave you to listen to it in his own unique style. My own poetry writing probably started around the time I was introduced to John Cooper Clark, but I neither shared nor kept any of that. And I stopped writing before I was out of my teens and didn't start again until my 50s. Thinking about it now, I suppose I was sharing my expectation of the world when I was young, and now I'm ready to share from a viewpoint of experience. In between, I was just too busy experiencing and didn't really have an inclination for writing. John, Pam and many others have influenced me. So my writing style depends on my mood and the subject I'm writing about. Although perhaps there's a wisp of A.A. Milne that runs through most of it. This is one I wrote not long after I'd started writing again. And my poetry group had challenged me to write about summer. In summer, when we think of heat 
and children running down the street to play the games they like to play, like shouting it and run away. And granddad cleans the barbecue and mother strolls them round the zoo. We cannot help but think it's shame when mostly all we see is rain. When COVID first hit, there seemed to be loads of inspiration for writing. And I know I'm not the only one with a collection of COVID poetry out. Some things came from the situation itself and some from the lovely summer weather we had for quite a long time. This short limerick was one of the first that came to me. The wicked, cruel COVID-19 spawned many events quite obscene. Bog rolls bought at scale, liquid soap by the pail, but a much improved hand wash routine. As offices closed and people began to work and school from home, I wrote a six verse, or six stanza, if you want to be precise, story poem about a family navigating their new world. There are recordings available elsewhere, so I'll just share the first bit now and leave you to follow the links if you want to know what happens to John and the rest of his family. Spoiler alert, it doesn't end too well. John had a job in purchase accounting. John had an office in the town centre square. John got sent home for socially distancing. They said, you can work from there. And if you want to know how the rest of that goes, as I said, follow the links. So that's me and poetry. The COVID poems I've written are available as a small download from my website. But I'm going to finish this episode with a final poem, which is not COVID related at all called Thoughts on Aging. Thoughts on Aging. When I was young, we were all told that people of my age were old. If somehow we had aspired, by now our thoughts were to retire. A woman of my age would not be entertained by loud hard rock or want to hear the rebels cause. These things were for young girls and boys. Don't ask us to embrace the new. It's just not something we would do. Beliefs would surely be steadfast. Our minds cemented in the past. So how is it that I am here, still aiming to step up a gear, just starting to achieve my aim? New plans, new goals, still much to gain. My music taste is old and new. Excited by what's coming through. Of course, I still don't love it all, but I love the energy. What's raw? I don't seek out a life sedated. I don't want the young berated for calling out our current ills or boldly showing their free will. In my mind, a woman of my age is clearly on a different page. That ageing woman that I see is nothing like the inner me. While she's now stuck, I'm still moving. She's now done. I'm still improving. She's telling them to turn it down. I sing along when it's played loud. Perhaps one day I'll truly be as old as that old woman I see.
but then I'll truly be much older. So age is clearly just a number. That's it for this week. If you want to know more about me and this podcast, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Softly Inspired. Or go to my website, softlyinspired.co.uk. Bye. For the next podcast, I'll be back. It's something a little bit more down to earth. Have you ever thought of writing a book? And what software is out there to help you? I'll be talking about my experiences and what I've found so far.